and ask you to please stand as we hear our gospel reading for today. The gospel comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, he saw, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a good reminder for us to have a baptism on Trinity Sunday. To be reminded of the blessing of our God. And a Trinity Sunday is, is a Sunday that the church um, has a tendency to get a little doctrinal. Right? If you were raised in the church, uh, you know this is the Sunday when the pastor in 15 minutes tries to explain one of the great profound mysteries of the church, which is the nature of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right, and try to use all sorts of different images. We did a little bit with the children's message this morning. I'm not going to try to do that. I, I think there is a time and a place for it, but, but truthfully, I couldn't do justice to it in 15 minutes. Instead, instead, do what the church fathers actually declared we should be doing, which is not seeking to explain, but instead to praise God for what he has revealed himself, or how he has revealed himself to be. That he has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity Sunday is also the Sunday when when we see some of the division that's unfortunate within the Christian church, some of the division that's, that's unfortunate that's crept in because of some of those doctrinal differences, and, and nevertheless they do matter, but, but we see them based on things like creeds and, and people saying, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that the word Trinity should be used because the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. It's true, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. And so people will say, well, I don't, I don't believe in that because it's not there. There are a lot of things that are not in the Bible that nevertheless are true. The Bible is not all-encompassing. It's the story of God's revelation. It's what God has revealed himself to be and to do in order to redeem lost and sinful humanity, fallen humanity restored to God. There are lots of things that are in the Bible that, that aren't in the Bible, excuse me, but that are true. For example, house cats. Any of you cat people? Any of you have cats? Yes. House cats are not mentioned in the Bible. Nevertheless, they are true. Some of us would say, unfortunately, right? And we see that in certain things. We see who God is by using this word Trinity, this word that means three in one. Some of you are saying, oh, don't go after my cat, man. That's just, that's off limits. It's just a joke. We'll get to dogs later. Don't worry. Right? What God has done for us in revealing himself is teaching us that God is knowable, and that God wishes to know each one of us, that Trinity is truly a blessing for us. Trinity is a blessing because it's our God, a God who loves us completely. As I said with the kids, the Father who has made us, the Son who has made us forgiven, the Spirit who has made us his children. And that knowing God the Father, knowing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit means knowing his love, but then also understanding that God doesn't leave us in the place where he finds us, but instead challenges each one of us to grow uniquely in who we are. That God challenges us to be children who are obedient to his will. We have the text this morning from Matthew chapter 28, which Victor read for us. The one which I cited this morning during the baptism. Where Jesus starts off on the Mount of, Transfig on the, excuse me, the Mount of Ascension. Right, That's the season where we are. After resurrection, we have this four, 50 days before the Ascension. 
as Jesus ascent, 40 days, excuse me, before the ascension, here we find 50 days was Pentecost. That was last week. We celebrated God, the Holy Spirit. We've backed up 10 days. We're back on the Mount of Ascension. And before Jesus ascends, he gathers around him his closest people, his disciples and his apostles. And there on the mountain, he has one last blessing, which is a teaching. The blessing and this teaching that accompany it are, are formative for us as the church. Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the authority that Jesus has, the authority that's been given to him by his Father, is the result of his crucifixion and resurrection. It's a direct result that he now has authority over all things that he has earned by the work which he has done. He's about to ascend into heaven to exhibit that work before his Father, to lay it at his feet, to declare that his work is completed. Now all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And so what does he do with it? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He gives it away. He gives it to his closest followers. He gives it by extension to us as well. He says, now you take this and make disciples of all nations. And what a wonderful thing he tells us. Make disciples of all nations. Not just some. But instead, now before he ascends, the end of his time here on earth, he returns to something that he had taught at the very beginning of his ministry. In John chapter 3, when he spoke to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus had come to him at night, remember, and he asked him a bunch of questions. And Jesus spoke the most famous words in the scriptures to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, for God so loved, fill in the blank, the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And now here at the other side of that, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, here is Jesus once again declaring all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's a repeat of that phrase of knowing that our God didn't intend just to save the nation of Israel. That this wasn't some parochial religion for the Middle East, but instead that God intended to redeem all people, all throughout the earth, people of every tribe, language, nation, and people, to redeem all throughout the world through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his crucifixion and resurrection, to restore sinners to himself. You know, I, I wanted to find a picture of the earth that wasn't so U.S.-centric, but you know it's hard because our world is a globe, right? It's round, and I started thinking to myself, Maybe that's good for us to remember because the only way for us to see all the way around it would be to completely encompass it, which is what our God does. Our God sees all and knows all. Our God surrounds the world completely and loves it completely. For God so loved the world that he sends us to all nations, to all groups, to all peoples that we can say, praise God for that, that that's the work which God does. And he tells us how to make these disciples. He says to wash them in the waters of baptism and to place on them my name, God says. Place on them my name, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of Trinity for us. God making us disciples. God making us disciples through baptism into the Trinity. And I just, I think that's such a beautiful picture. In fact, the picture the image that's portrayed here in the scriptures that reminded me of that song that I sang as a kid. He's got the whole world 
In his hands, he's got the whole... You can sing it. It's better than me singing alone. World. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Right? What a wonderful thing to see. To know that our God has the whole world in his hands. Us included. That our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit makes us his through the waters of baptism. We know we are safe and secure in him. But Jesus doesn't just stop with baptize. He says, teach. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's the challenge part of it. It's a challenge to obedience. And obedience has become kind of a bad word for us. right? We don't want to think about the word obedience because it means that we might have to change. It means that we might have to be corrected a little bit. Go back to the picture of the dog. This is where the dog comes in. There you go. We think obedience, we think of dogs. I think of obedience, I don't think of my dog, but some of you do. Right, and what's the story of training a dog? The story of training a dog is first that the dog would understand that, that you are its master. Right? The dog would first would understand that, that you're going to look out for it, that it's going to be fed and nourished as part of the pack, and then it will understand its role in that pack. That's what obedience training is all about. And as much as we might not want to compare ourselves to dogs, it actually works. Because what we can learn from this, what we can know from this, is that we are not God. But what we can know from this is that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loves us completely. He's got us in His hands. And because we are safe and secure in Him, we are free to obey. We are free to do those things which He has called us to do and to be. We are free to act according to the gifts and passions that He has worked inside each one of us. We're free to obey what Jesus has commanded us to do. When Jesus speaks this way, when he says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach to obey, when he says, you are safe in the hands of your God, now I challenge you to go, he's setting a pattern. It's a pattern that he follows actually throughout the Gospel of Matthew and throughout the New Testament, where first we realize who we are, first we know that we are his safe people, we are his loved people, and then we are challenged to move forward, to grow in his name. It's a pattern which we see throughout the Gospel of Matthew and some of the most famous passages in all of the scriptures. Right? We, we could turn to something like the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And if you haven't spent time in the Sermon on the Mount in a while, I encourage you, do that this week. Matthew's cha- Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And they ex- have all kinds of details that are given to us for Christian living. All types of things that God challenges us to be and to do. Ways to pray, ways to forgive. But they start off with maybe the most famous part. Blessed are you. Those words that we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed are you when you are weak. Blessed are you when. It starts with an understanding that you are blessed. That you belong to God. That you are safe in His hands. Then the admonition to do. But only after you first know that you are secure and safe in Him and that there's nothing you can do to stop that. Because Jesus has redeemed you. Turn to another spot. Matthew chapter 11. Famous words that Jesus speaks. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am humble and gentle, Jesus says. You know how that starts? 
It starts with Jesus declaring that he is revealing to us the Heavenly Father. That we are seeing the Father when we see the Son. When we see his love demonstrated for us in the reconciliation of sinners. The forgiveness of sins which Jesus earned on our behalf. That when we see that love, we know our Heavenly Father. That's how that starts. Then come to me, Jesus says. Do you see the pattern of knowing that you are secure in Jesus, knowing that you belong to him, and then seeing the challenge that he calls you forward? And so when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He starts off by saying, love the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first one, right? Love back the God who loves you. Love him with all your soul and all your strength. And they didn't ask him for it, but he says in the second is like it. And it gives us a demonstration of the way that we can show our love. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's that same pattern of knowing whose you are, that you belong to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then experiencing that challenge as we go forward. The challenge of loving God with all of our being by loving our neighbor. By demonstrating this love which will show itself, will manifest itself differently for each person and in all sorts of different situations. Sometimes when we think about this, we just like to think about it as a whole of Christian life. And we can sometimes look at it like eating an elephant, right? And say, how could I ever approach that? It's too big. But it's not just about the sum of our Christian life. It's instead understanding that God calls us to be obedient every day. In fact, every hour of every day. And being obedient, yes, means that we're going to set aside our own will at times. When we're going to have one thing on the brain, we're going to say, I'm in too much of a rush. I've got too much to do. I've got places to get to. And then seeing someone with a blown out tire and kids running around a median and knowing that God's calling you to do something about it. It's in seeing someone and saying, you know, I don't have enough time to do this, but I'm going to set aside my wants and desires because I know that that person needs someone. They need someone to be strong for them right now. It means lending encouraging hand, encouraging word to someone who hasn't been encouraged in a while. It will look different in all sorts of different situations and scenarios. It will look different from each person and from person to person. And yet what we see demonstrated here is that God calls us to it. He calls us to obedience in his name. He calls us to demonstrate that first part, to know that we are safe and secure in his hands, to know the truth of the scriptures, the truth of Trinity, that, that the Son reveals the Father, that the Father loves the Son, that the Spirit descends on the Son at his baptism, that the voice speaks, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, that this, this is what God has done for us in demonstrating three persons in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we might know His blessing, experience it, and share it with other people that they also might be blessed by the God who loves them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.